Hello, everyone. Welcome to Editor Knows Best. My name is Katyra Poland. I am the creator and producer of Editor Knows Best. And this podcast is specifically specifically for writers and authors. Um, and we interview different authors and we also have different topics such as the different types of editing that exist, um, how to become a better editor, um, different tips for editing your own work and how to work well with an editor and learning, you know, the multiple steps that are involved in the publishing process. And today we have a very special guest. <laughs> so I will tell you a little bit about her. She was born and raised in the Finger Lakes. She is a copywriter by day and a creative writer 24-7. Her work explores themes of spirituality, mental health, nature, and race. When she's not writing, Sarah enjoys reading, cooking, and hiking. She currently lives in Victor Farmington with her husband, Ed, and her two sassy house rabbits, <laughs> and Buddy. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us. And just so you all know, uh, Sarah is a very good friend of mine, as well as um, an author and writer. So I'm really excited to have her as our guest today. Thanks so much for joining us, Sarah. Tyra, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so thankful. Thank you for having me on here because um, I've always looked up to you from the first time we met at that networking event way back when. Mm -hmm. And uh, you've really inspired me to become mm -hmm. a better writer and to become soon to be published author. Yes. So, so thank you for having me on here and for everything that you do. You're welcome, and thank you. The feeling is definitely mutual. So can you tell our listeners about your brand new and very first book, a little bit about um, what it entails and what mo motivated you to write your first book? Sure. Um, it's hot off the press, I should say. Um, not that it's printed, but literally just finished the manuscript not that long ago. So I'll start with the second part of your question. What motivated, what motivated me to write it was um, mental health as relates to being a Black woman. Um, it's something that um, affects everyone, um, clearly, but I think specifically to Black women, we have a different, different way of navigating it and processing it. And for me, poetry was um, one of those mediums to help me uh, navigate it. So I wrote this book because I wanted to share my journey especially the messy parts of it, and to give others um, a ray of hope and light. And I also wanted to um, express the ways that my faith as a Christian um, helped to lift me out of this. Um, faith has always been a big part of the Black community as well. It's something that we've relied on in times of trouble, um, dating back to slavery, even though we were forcefully baptized and it was uh, a medium meant to imprison us. But as we look at uh, women like Harriet Tubman, who use their faith as a means of freedom um, and strength and power and grace. So I wanted to tell that story as it related to my mental health. Um, so Recovery from Unusual Attitudes is the title. It is my very first publication, <laughs> won't be the last, yes. and um, I'm really excited for people to read it. It's mm, awesome. Thanks so much for telling us. So what was your experience like with writing the, the poetry, and what are some of the things <laughs> that helped you um, move through that process? 
So my experience was, it was strange because I never initially uh, set out to write a book. The thought of being an author of even writing this was out of this world. Um, even though I've always written poetry, um, it was kind of my, uh, for lack of a better term, dirty little secret. It's something I didn't share with anyone. Um, I was way too insecure to even put that out into the world. It was just a means for me to, um, to process and understand some of the very complex feelings that I had. It wasn't until I was um, in therapy and first diagnosed with anxiety and depression in 2017 that my therapist, um, who was also a black woman, encouraged me to, to write um, and to take it seriously. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? She's like, I, I just want you to put your feelings into it. Don't try to clean it up. Don't try to make it, don't focus on making it sound pretty. Just get your emotions out on the page. And so the book kind of wrote itself in that it was a collection of pieces um, over a four to five year span. And it wasn't until about um, 2018 that I realized that I had a body of work of about 200 pieces. Wow. Um, the book is not 200 pieces, but <laughs> uh, thankfully, um, so you won't have to edit that many pages. <laughs> um, but it was a, a large body of work. And the process of it coming together seemed slow and fast at the same time. It was slow in that it took many years for me to write all these pieces. But once I sat down and I was committed to do the work because of the COVID-19 lockdown, it came together very quickly mm -hmm. uh, because I had no reason to continue making excuses. <laughs> wow. um, I, I was at home and I had a lot of time on my hands, so I just had to do it. So I heard your voice in my head. I heard Ebony's <laughs> voice in my head. <laughs> uh, and I heard my therapist's voice in my head. And I'm like, you know what? I, I just have to do the work. Yeah. And, and so I did. So um, the process of writing these pieces and putting it out there was difficult at times because I didn't want to revisit the really messy side of some of my um, mental health episodes of anxiety mm -hmm. and depression. Mm -hmm. I almost got a divorce. Um, I had suicidal thoughts at one point. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing self-harm. Mm -hmm. um, and even when those things had gotten better, I was still engaging in just very self-destructive behavior. I just was not taking care of myself. And no matter how much self-care I did, no matter how many bath bombs I used or how many times I painted my nails, not against any of these things, by the way, they have their place, but um, I just wasn't doing the hard work and getting up under the rug and looking at um, what I was doing. I needed help to do that, and that's where therapy came in. So it was hard um, to put those pieces in there and to include them, but then it was freeing. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Whatever. This is my story, and if anything, it gives glory to God, and it shows how far that I've come that I went from not being able to work and being suicidal to having um, a successful career and um, being able to put a book together. I mean, I'm still kind of pinching myself that I sent you the manuscript. Yes. I'm like, really? Really though? <laughs> like, does she really have it? Did it, did it go? Through? Is it real? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm but, really yeah. excited um, for the next steps. I'm excited for your journey and Thanks. really proud that you, you know, shared the things that you're going through um, oh, specifically specifically related to anxiety and depression. Mm. So for our listeners who may be also experiencing that, 
what would you recommend to them if it's challenging for them to write because of those um Mm -hmm. because of you know the other other elements of life that they're dealing with oh sure i completely uh, 100 percent understand that um so i would suggest one thing that i found helpful is that even if you can't write i know that sometimes looking at a blank page can be intimidating it can be daunting to say oh okay how am i going to fill this up what can i say and a lot of times when you have anxiety and depression you have a hard time even identifying your feelings and that was one issue that i had in therapy that my therapist helped me work through is that i couldn't even recognize my emotions from years and years and years of suppressing it which i think is something a lot of black women faced. I always felt that I had to be strong. Um, So I would suggest using um, uh, the video notes on your phone, taking a video of yourself talking. If that seems weird, just recording yourself, just talking it out. Um, I would experiment with different kinds of paper. Sometimes I would just, it sounds strange, I would write on a newspaper. I would write on something that just wasn't blank. Um, I would draw. Um, or I would just start using different words, like um, just start with one word, frustration, anger, rage, sadness, whatever it is, or it doesn't have to be, it doesn't even have to make sense to anyone else. Don't worry about grammar. Don't worry about punctuation. Just start with a word and it'll start coming together from there. Thank you so much for uh, recommending those things. And I definitely agree mm-hmm. with um, what's known as mind mapping, which is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about choosing a word, a feeling, a statement, quote, and then mm-hmm. writing, you know, something related to that. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely agree with that. Um, if you're having a hard time with um, getting pen to paper or, or typing things to use that method. And then, of course, thank you for the other innovative ideas. Mm-hmm changing the type of paper or writing on things that already have, you know, words or content mm-hmm. on it. So that's great. Um, so for you, does writing usually energize you or exhaust you? <laughs> it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. Um, when I'm doing my um, nine to five as, as a copywriter, um, that can be um, um, tiring by the end of the day. At that point, I have been writing Um, not my own work, but for various brands and clients for um, about eight to 10 hours a day. Um, So that can be a little bit tiring, but it's energizing. Um, When I come, when I come back and I hear that the client really enjoyed the copy or that the campaign was was successful. But I do find working on my creative work, which is my poetry or uh, short stories uh, or anything where I'm writing for myself, I can find that very energizing. And um, sometimes it's even difficult for me to keep up with um, what my brain is is um, trying to bring to life. You know, I have to like, whoa, whoa, okay, Sarah, slow down a second. Let me just, let me get this sentence down. So I can find uh, the creative work very energizing. But if I'm writing about something very heavy, such as my father's um, journey with cancer, those are some of the hardest poems to write in the book. Um, Or just writing about my own uh, difficulty in my marriage uh, through the lens of depression. That was very draining. Mm -hmm. But um, my recommendation is if anyone's experiencing that block of of emotion that's preventing them from really, like you said, getting pen to page, um, is to try to push through, take breaks if needed. But 
it's empowering and uplifting and liberating once you finally get it out it's like you can physically feel the weight off your chest and you can take a deep breath and um and enjoy that the fact that you've just created um, a piece of work that's out in the world yeah, that's awesome and as someone who recently uh, i published my first book of poetry in march mm -hmm. um, i can definitely relate to that i'm um, in writing specifically one of the poems that i wrote was to encourage dark-skinned girls and women yes. um, and being a dark-skinned woman myself i can remember yes. being teased about that and yes. um that poem really strikes a chord um mm -hmm. but it's also therapeutic to be able to um, put that on paper and also encourage others um, with yes. my words so yes. i can definitely relate to that um it yeah, can be difficult but yeah. on the other side um it helps you become a, a better person and to see that you've worked through that adversity, I think is, is awesome. So I can. Yeah, thank you. And, and your book of poetry was, um, was so inspiring. I mean, there, there was a line that I still remember that you can feel the sanity slipping through your fingers and, mm -hmm. oh, it just, I can still, girl, I can still feel it. <laughs> I can still feel it. Um, and I think that's the beauty of expression is I yes. could I could feel your emotion on the page um, or even talking about dark skin girls. I could feel that I can some of your poems. I could just many. It was just like is it was as if I was in your body and I could feel that weight on your spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's something to channeling that through poetry on the page and someone else can relate to that and understand it and get it. I think it's cathartic. I think it's healing and uh, it's very powerful. Well, thank you so much for that feedback. I'm glad that you were able to, um, you know, get a sense of, of what I was feeling. So I'm excited <laughs> to hear that you enjoyed that um, and that, you know, it has an impact. So that is awesome. So I know that you mentioned that you're a copywriter and some, mm -hmm. for some of our listeners, they may not know exactly what that entails. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about what you do as a copywriter? Absolutely. So uh, a lot of times when I mention copywriter, um, if you're not familiar with the advertising industry or with marketing, you might think that I work in copyright, which is more legal. Um, and that's not what I do. A copywriter is an advertising or marketing writer that works um, at an agency or they could work what we say client side for um, at a business. And um, they pretty much serve as the voice for that brand or business. So I write anything from um, website copy, so the, the things that you would read on a website, to social media posts, to ebooks, to headlines, to whatever it is in the physical or digital realm that a brand needs to, um, to set the tone, so to speak, in their voice. So it's a lot of fun. It's something that I enjoy. And if anyone's familiar with the um, AMC series Mad Men, I know that's been out for a while. Um, I always say, if you're familiar with that, or I do what Peggy did. So Peggy was a copywriter and that's what I do. So, <laughs> so for you, that seems like a, an interesting mix there. So you copyright, you know, for your daytime job, and then you also write your own mm -hmm. uh, content. So which one of those comes easier to you or which one do you um, like better or like? Ooh, <laughs> that's a tough question. <laughs> Either threw me a curveball. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, gee, that's that's really hard to say because there's aspects of each of them that I like. I like what I like about copywriting is that I can take my emotions and myself 
out of the equation because it's not about me. It's what the client wants. I'm working within an established brand tone or voice, or sometimes I'm helping the client establish that brand. So my personal feelings are, are out of the mix. Um, it, it really doesn't, it's not about me. So sometimes that can be great because I can just put my emotions on the back burner and just go into work mode and, and get through it. Um, so that's what I like about copywriting. In terms of creative writing, what I like about it is that there are no boundaries. I am the brand voice. I'm, I'm writing whatever I want. Um, I don't have to double check and say, yeah, you know what, this brand wouldn't use that tone or they wouldn't use that kind of language. It's all about my personal creative expression. But then it puts the onus on me to be, own, to be honest with myself and honest and sincere and transparent with my emotions, which, as we all know, is not easy to do. Um, but what I love about creative writing is the unlimited creative freedom of expression that I have. Um, so sometimes I, I'll take, during my lunch break, for example, um, I'll just pull out my journal or one of my notebooks and just, you know, start doing some explorations that I wanna dig into later. Um, ironically, some advertising campaigns have inspired my poetry. Um, for example, um, Oil of Olay's Love the Skin You're In, um, inspired my poem, This Skin, um, which is in the last chapter of my book, which is all about embracing our skin as Black women. Um, I call it a, a temple of, of flesh and bone. Um, so they kind of feed off of each other. And I think it's because, uh, not to be self-deprecating, but because I don't really know better. I think if I had gone to school for advertising, um, or specifically for marketing communications. Um, I probably wouldn't think this way, but it's just because I don't know better. My background, my, my degree is in graphic design. Um, some, it has a role in advertising. I definitely use that experience as a copywriter, but it's not what I do now. <laughs> not a designer. I tried, yeah. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Yes, I think one thing to pull from that is just because you have a major in something doesn't mean that's going to be your job. And exactly. that's okay. Um, yeah. There are so many mm -hmm. skills that you pull from, you know, graphic design that mm -hmm. transfer over to being a copywriter. So sure. that's Absolutely. to encourage everybody that you don't, yes. you don't, you won't always land in the spot that you think you're going to. And that's not yes. necessarily a bad thing. So yeah. I know that you did briefly mention, mention journaling. I just wanted mm -hmm. to piggyback um, and encourage some of our new writers who are listening or aspiring authors who are looking for ways to get their writing juices flowing. You, know, you can try journaling. Um, and I also want to acknowledge that not everyone wants to be a published author. So mm -hmm. if you just enjoy writing for yourself, then journals are going to be um, really important for you and probably most beneficial because you don't mm -hmm. have to share that with other people. So I just wanted to piggyback on that journaling piece there. So I do know that you are working with Ebony Nicole Smith. She's my yes, partner as well. Yes. So, um, so for those of you who don't know, um, Ebony Nicole Smith is a hybrid publisher. So she takes care of most of the publishing parts, like posting it on Amazon and the formatting. But um, when you're working with a hybrid publisher, you're responsible for some of the other pieces of your publishing process. So you may have to find your own graphic designer, you might have to find your own editor, etc. Um, 
in, in the case of Ebony, she includes that in her packages, but not all publishers do. So Sarah, what would you recommend to other authors or what would you recommend that they do if they need a graphic designer? How did you get in touch with different people to help you with your, your book? And what would you recommend? Well, girl, you know, networking is so important. It is so, so important. Um, it may not seem like it, it may not sound like it, but I'm introverted. I usually just don't jump at an opportunity to talk to new people. Um, but I found as I get older and as I go further in my career that it's critical. Um, so it could be social media. Um, it can be in-person networking. I'm more of a fan of in-person in networking. Um, but because of the COVID-19 lockdown, I've been utilizing a lot of resources on LinkedIn. I've connected with so many um, other Black creatives, um, especially in these conversations uh, regarding Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter in the workplace. So I would suggest tapping into your network, asking friends of friends of friends, um, reaching out on social media and someone always knows someone who can recommend <laughs> hey i can i vetted this person i've used them before um go to my website check out their work so i think net, networking is is critical because that's how i i met you and we've gone on to have a friendship and a professional relationship mm -hmm. and through you i met ebony um, that's where I first learned about journaling as a way to boost my creative writing and to really um, get those feelings flowing through your Writer's Paradise workshop. And I met other writers there who I'm connected with on LinkedIn who are fantastic. So I cannot emphasize enough how important networking is. Yeah. And I agree with that. And um, just to encourage our introverts, um, there are other options besides in person if for some mm -hmm. reason you're not comfortable with that. Um, of course, with COVID, there are a lot of online um, mm -hmm. opportunities. So you can look into, you know, networking that way as well. LinkedIn, Facebook, um, pretty much any of the uh, social media channels you can mm -hmm. think of, you can network that way, whether you're extroverted or introverted. Mm -hmm. So uh, thanks for sharing a little bit about uh, what you did, Sarah. So one of the things that always comes up in the writing community is what's known as writer's block. Is that, <laughs> is that something that you believe in? Yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, I believe in it because I think we all, no matter how experienced you are, get to that wall where you're like, um, okay. But I do think, um, as you get further in your experience with writing, whether it's professional or personal or journaling or poetry or whatnot, you figure out ways to, to push through. Um, you rely on tips and tricks and, and different things to, to overcome writer's block. Um, my advice for writer's block is to just start somewhere, like you said, with um, whether it's, uh, sometimes I like just looking up a word cloud or I just start writing a word cloud and start putting words together. Start with words and they form sentences. Sometimes it's just getting up from what I'm doing, from sitting at the computer, going for a walk, doing anything besides writing, uh, listening to a, a certain kind of music or a specific song or any music, um, just switching it up a bit. But um, I think as, as you get more experience, you learn, you learn ways to kind of trick your brain and to, to get into the groove. 
Thank you for um, encouraging our listeners because sometimes writer's block can be very discouraging mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. people um, may not know how to get over it. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that, you know, that's something you work through and that you're proving to other aspiring writers that, you know, it's, it's a hurdle that they can get over. So Absolutely. thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And who are some of the authors or writers that inspire you? Well, I mentioned your book of poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Um, I'm so grateful because um, my mother always, I mean, introduced me to books at a very young age. So she introduced me to um, Black authors and always, um, it, it was always clear to me that Black women write and that um, Black men write and that um, Black people have so much to offer for the literary world and have contributed so much to it. So from a young age, um, you know, everyone says Maya Angelou, but really, I remember reading her poetry when I was a kid. I mean, this was in the 90s, so her poetry was hot. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading it, and at the time, I didn't have the emotional maturity to really understand a lot of it. But even then, I was moved by her words and the rhythm and her cadence and the way that she read it. It was just... Mm, I can still feel it. It was just so good. Langston Hughes is also uh, was an inspiration for me. Um, James Baldwin, uh, Toni Morrison, um, the list goes on, but those are definitely in the top five of, of authors and writers that have just have just moved me. Um, and there was another um, recently, I'm gonna have to pop on my phone and look this up. Um, I believe his name is Marlon James. Um, he's a writer from Jamaica, where my parents are from, um, who wrote the, a book called The Book of Night Women. And it's about a slave rebellion. Um, so sometimes I like to just go outside of um, authors that are with large publishing houses and look at smaller self-published or locally published authors. Um, but but really there's there's so much out there. So it's, it's hard. I feel like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> Yeah, all of those writers are definitely prolific, um, heavy hitters, very important to our community. And I agree with your selection and writers. They're um, definitely including you. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so uh, you did share, of course, that your first book is a book of poetry. Have yeah. you ever considered writing fiction? Yes. Um... I love science fiction. I love Afrofuturism. Um, so I'm hoping that that's my next work. Um, I've started putting together um, threads and seeds of a story. Again, working through writer's block by sometimes I, I don't start in the, the beginning of the book and I'm starting to write scenes or ideas for, excuse me, things that will take place towards the middle or the end of, of the book. Um, so I'm really interested in the intersection between uh, technology, and dystopian future, which everyone loves, of course, and, and black identity. Like what, what are things gonna look like in the future for us, especially as um, things become more cybernetic. So um, I love science fiction. I grew up watching um, Twilight Zone. Um, <laughs> I'm also working on a short story right now called Copywriter. Um, I don't want to give too much away about what that that's about, but um, it's about it's based on myself, but also maybe a, another version of myself um, 
in another dimension that's that's copying my writing so copywriter um so i i do love poetry but i also love experimenting exploring other um, other genres um just to keep it interesting awesome so you mentioned two terms that i'd like you to elaborate on for for myself but also for our listeners mm. uh, afrofuturism and dystopian yes so I'll start with dystopian. You think of a utopia as perfect and beautiful and everything's orderly and everything's right. And dystopian is the opposite of that. Okay. So think of like George Orwell's 1984 yes. um, or Brave New World um, by Aldous Huxley, where it's just, it's just wrong. Everything is just wrong about it. <laughs> and um, I was kind of inspired to explore that genre um, based on COVID-19 and some of the um, political themes that are going around. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I am on Twitter and you see things <laughs> such as, oh, this is socialism light and 1984 and Big Brother is watching us. So I, I leaned into that out of curiosity. So it inspired me to kind of explore what a dystopian society would look like. Okay. And Afrofuturism, um, I just kind of define it as um, black science fiction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of look at it as um, uh, just like Black Panther is a great example of, of Afrofuturism. Okay. Um, and again, that, that is so um, it, inspiring. Um, the book Kindred um, it, it, and Toni Morrison did so much with Afrofuturism. Um, I mean, excuse me, I'm so sorry, Octavia Butler. Mm -hmm. um, did so much. Edit that out. Um, <laughs> no, you can keep it in. Octavia Butler did so much um, in exploring Afrofuturism. And a lot of people say that it was her um, ideologies and creativity that inspired the Matrix and that that storyline was actually uh, ripped off from her. Um, so I just like to think of it as, as Black science fiction. Okay, thank you so much for that breakdown. I'm now more knowledgeable than before because I didn't know <laughs> what those were. Um, but thank you for you know sharing that information with us. So one of the things that um, has surfaced for me, I actually, I am offering a scholarship to a Rochester New York High School students. Yeah, and I wanted to to offer that um, to give them an opportunity to take advantage of. Um, you know, writing classes or mm. writing utensils, publishing a book, pretty much anything they wanted to pursue in regards to literacy. Um, but the other piece of my community service is donating books to elementary students. Mm. And I was very, um, I was very, um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. I specifically chose books that were by black authors that featured mm -hmm. black characters because mm -hmm. when i was growing up i remember going to the library at school and also the you know public libraries and not seeing so many options with children who looked like right. myself so right. what was your experience like when you were reading books you know as a young black girl did you find books that were reflective um, of yourself or that you connected with or was that more of a challenge? I know you mentioned that your mother, you know, provided mm -hmm. you with those books, but what was it like outside of the home when it came to literacy and seeing yourself in, in the literature? I think, like you said, um, the pickings were slim. It was, there wasn't much, there wasn't much out there. I still love to read, but um, 
it, it was hard finding books with characters that I could identify with specifically. Um, so I'm grateful that things have changed. Um, and for example, I, I, one reason why I was so interested to get into Afrofuturism was because I love science fiction. Um, I started getting into comic books and science fiction and video games as a kid in the 90s, and there weren't a lot of Black characters. There weren't Black women. And if there were Black characters, they weren't um, portrayed in a positive light. So I agree with you, pickings were slim. That has changed, uh, thank God. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was hard, and even the work that was out there, um, like I said previously, it was above my emotional maturity level at the time as a kid. So I couldn't really take in the weight of it and truly appreciate it for what it was. So. Yes, yes. And one of the other things, like you said, it, it's a lot different now. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I now know that we have a broader selection of stories for Black children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we have, you know, millions of Black authors writing these books. So mm -hmm. even if the libraries are not supplying it to our children, we have the capacity to do that ourselves. Yeah. And we can, yes. you know, I, you know, I was able to buy these books in bulk so that I could mm -hmm. take them and give them to the mm -hmm. children. And even if these books are not in their school library, that's a book they're taking home. Yeah. So they can read it, their siblings can read it, their parents can read it to them, they can read it to their parents. So um, I just feel like books are such treasures. They're literally, they can literally be passed down um, and they, they have so much, um, it's just such a valued tool. There's so mm -hmm. many lessons and it just provides so much enrichment, encouragement, mm -hmm. and it can be really positive. So I am very happy that now we have you know, the avenues to get these books mm -hmm. to the children. And also that the children can tell their stories. There yeah. are so many, you know, children authors who are out here, yeah. you know, writing for themselves, writing for their peers. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just glad that we're, you know, moving forward with that and excited it's about- Such a time to be alive. I mean, um, I think about even, knowledge is power and reading words are so powerful i mean there's a reason why um slaves weren't allowed to read exactly i mean so we live in a time now like you said where things are super accessible and children can become authors and get their work out there there's so many um books with by black authors on a number of topics that affect the black community. So it's not like you just have to stick to one small section of your local library. There is a plethora of options available, specific, specific topics. So I, I'm super grateful for that and grateful that you have donated your books <laughs> to children. That's, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm just so thankful for where we are as a community now in terms of our literacy. Yeah. Um, one of the more controversial topics, specifically in the black literary circles, is the um I would say devaluing of urban fiction. Mm. So what do you feel about that? I know when I was younger, I read a lot of urban fiction. I don't so much anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I usually read nonfiction anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, I would say like late teens, early 20s, I was diving into all the, you know, <laughs> home and, and, you know, all the, the popular of that time, Coldest Winter Ever, um, all of those types of um, books. 
Um, and I enjoyed them. Um, but like I said, of course, there's controversy around that particular genre. Mm -hmm. So what did, what is your um, per perception of that genre? Do you enjoy it? And how do you feel about this um, typically negative connotation about urban? Sure. Um, I'm with you in that it's not something um, that's currently in my rotation of books, but it had a time and place when I was in my teens and in early 20s. Mm -hmm. um, but I really don't understand the negative um, views on it because I think every genre, every niche within a genre has merit. It has a place. If it's not your thing, that's okay. But I don't think it should be poo-pooed or looked at as less than because it's not um, it's not considered true literature. Um, what <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I liken it to different wines. Like if you like Arbor Mist, whatever. I mean, Arbor Mist has its place. If you right. like really um, expensive bottle of age reserved, whatever great for you. Don't be a snob about it. Um, so I think it definitely has its place. And I think that genre can open doors to, to young black children or anyone, um, regardless of age as, as a medium, um, of inspiration to say, you know what, maybe I could become an author. This is inspiring me to write something. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like we should really look down on any genre even romance novels. I mean, they're not my thing. I haven't read one, but you know, whatever. <laughs> if that's your thing, go for it. Mm -hmm. And are there any other, or are there genres that you really enjoy um, reading? I know you mentioned some of your favorites, so I know poetry is probably mm -hmm. at the top of your list, but what other genres do you like to read? Oh boy, I like poetry. I like fiction. I like mm -hmm. historical fiction. I like sci-fi. Um, and lately, I've just been reading um, just nonfiction autobiographies or just more educational material like finance books um, about um, stocks and, and bonds, mm -hmm. um, just things that I want to learn about. So um, it, it's hard to say because uh, I like so many genres. I guess it just depends on what I'm in the mood for at the time. But I would say that book from each one of the genres I just mentioned is usually in, in my rotation. Okay. And then one of the, of course, the more, um, the, another medium of books that's become more popular is audiobooks. Are you a fan of audiobooks? I am. I am. Okay. Um, it's very mood dependent. Like I love audiobooks if I'm driving, um, if I'm doing the dishes, if I'm cleaning around the house, if I'm going for a walk, sometimes I feel like reading an ebook. Sometimes I feel like listening to an audiobook. Sometimes I just want to sit and have a tangible physical experience um, with a, a hardcover or a paperback book. So it all depends on what I'm doing, but I, I love audiobooks. I think they're great. I haven't listened to audiobooks. I have some downloaded, but I never made it to that. Mm -hmm. um, for me, um, I don't know that I have the, I guess, the stamina to listen mm -hmm. to an entire audio. Yeah, book. yeah. <laughs> Although I do like YouTube videos, like I YouTube, you know, video things all the time. I'm yes, like, yeah. Different things like that. Um, but audio book, I, I haven't given it a try, so I can't say I don't like it. But based on my personality and some of the ways I learn and my mm -hmm. attention span, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. 
I don't know. I'll have to give it a shot at some time to see if I really do like it. Yeah. Um, for our listeners, if you are looking for a, a book narrator, I highly recommend Ghost Readers, Inc. Um, mm-hmm. It is a married couple, um, and they actually um, recorded my first book, Professionalism, What's That? So that's Ghost Readers, Inc., and they do have a Facebook page. So if you're looking for a narrator, um, take a look at their page and reach out to them. They'll send you a sample and that will be a really great um, opportunity or resource for you. Um, Are there any other resources that you would like to recommend to our listeners that were useful for you, Sarah? Well, you mentioned YouTube. You can go to YouTube University for free. So (laughs) I recommend, um, I recommend YouTube. If you don't know something, I think a lot of times people are intimidated by, well, how do I start a business? How do I publish a book? How do I start writing a book? How do I find this? Or how do I do this? I highly recommend Google it, YouTube it. I've I've learned so much about YouTube. Um, I'd also like to recommend you to our listeners. I mean, <laughs> if you're listening to this <laughs> and you need an editor, um, or if you just um, need an accountability partner, if mm-hmm. you just have questions, I would highly, highly recommend reaching mm-hmm. out to Katyra. She does so much. <laughs> um, she has helped me with making this dream a reality. So please reach out to Katyra if you need an editor or if you have questions about book publishing. Um, I would also recommend Ebony Nicole Smith. Um, I still use her faithful five tips that I learned from my paradise. As a matter of fact, I have them hanging above my desk (laughs) and I look at them as I, as I'm writing. Um, so, uh, like Katyra said, she is a hybrid publisher. Um, so she helped to keep me accountable, which is super important because sometimes we all need that push. And she just uh, took a lot of the anxiety out of next steps. Okay, what do I do? But I need this. And I, I'm not sure how this is going to go. So I highly recommend her if you need a writing coach. Um, I haven't used her as a writing coach, but I know that she's fantastic. Um, so those are the two that I would recommend um, if you're a writer and you're interested in um, publishing a book, or even if you're not and you just want some feedback. Um, those are the two resources that I would highly recommend. Thank you for that. Um, thank you for recommending me. And I know that <laughs> Ebony will also appreciate the recommendation. Oh, girl, yeah. That's awesome. So in closing, I would love for you to tell us the name of your book again, mm-hmm. and also let us know when it's available for sale, um, and also where it will be available, if you have that information. Okay, so the name of the book is Recovery from Unusual Attitudes. Um, that sounds like a very strange name, and it is. Um, the book is used as an aviation theme to detail my recovery from depression and anxiety. So each chapter is a different uh, stage of flight. And there's one chapter where I make a crash landing, just to give you a heads up. Um, but it, it ends on a high note, so no pun intended. So that's recovery <laughs> from unusual attitudes. And um, like Atira mentioned, I'm publishing through Ebony Nicole Smith. Um, our tentative date when it will be available um, will be uh, November, uh, end of November this year. Um, but if you are interested in pre-ordering, you can find me on Facebook. Just search for Sarah Collins or um, my uh, pr- 
my page is Sarah Collins Writes. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, um, LinkedIn. Just send me a direct message uh, with your email and I'll add you to the list. I'm, I'm currently having a brand new website built. Yay! <laughs> So um, that will also uh, have pre-ordering forms. And then when the book is available um, for purchase, you can purchase it directly through the website. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Ebony said it will also be available on um, Amazon. Okay. And ebook versions will be available as well. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for telling us more about your writing journey, also your personal journey, um, for being so authentic. All of the nuggets that you dropped for our listeners and also myself. And also, of course, for being such a, a friend who's near and dear to me. I really. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, getting to know you better and appreciate you being a guest. And everyone, again, um, she provided all her contact information. So if you have more questions about Sarah or you have questions about her upcoming book, her process or anything, feel free to reach out to her. And again, this is Editor Knows Best. I'm Katyra Poland, the creator and producer. If you have questions for me, you can find all my contact information on my website, PolandLLC.com, P-O-L-L-A-N-D llc.com. Thanks so much everyone for listening. Thanks again, Sarah and everyone be safe and be well.